Uncle Honey on politics this week. The rapist and Nicola Sturgeon's humiliation. Under law, a rapist has to be a man. Her Justice Secretary thinks this rapist is a woman. And I'd just like, in my final opportunity to the First Minister, to get a clear answer. Is Adam Graham, this double rapist, a man or a woman? For the record, my position on safeguarding the trans community. At stage three, I voted to keep the age for obtaining a gender recognition certificate at 18, and also for a pause mechanism if the applicant had been accused of a sexual offence and was going through the court process. And the Clyde Gateway, arguably Scotland's largest, most ambitious urban regeneration programme. You have to be very pragmatic and you have to work to get the industries in here who are expanding and who can offer jobs, good jobs to local people. We will not work with a company that's not paying good salaries and doesn't offer good prospects. Hello and welcome to Gulhani on Politics. I'm Dr Sandish Gulhani. For Scotland's First Minister, it's a question that won't go away. Adam Grayson raped two women, one in Clyde Bank in 2016 and a second in Glasgow's Drum Chapel in 2019. The rapist was arrested a man, appeared in early court hearings under his birth name and in the period leading up to the formal trial began undergoing gender transitioning therapy and adopted a new name, Isla Bryson. In January 2023, Isla Bryson was convicted on both counts of rape and remanded to a woman's prison in Stirling to await sentence. There was huge public backlash. And in the Scottish Parliament, the SNP's Justice Minister, Keith Brown, was asked if he believed the prisoner to be a man or a woman. The minister said Isla Bryson was a woman. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon then weighed in to make a statement that Bryson had been moved to the men's wing of His Majesty's prison in Edinburgh. But the SNP leader would not be drawn on whether Bryson is a man or a woman, providing instead a third category. The individual is a rapist. This was Scottish Conservatives leader Douglas Ross in an exchange with an excruciatingly uncomfortable First Minister. The First Minister's final words there were about clarity. I, I think that answer was anything but clear. Her Justice Secretary is very clear that he thinks a double rapist is a woman. He has enough information to come to that conclusion. The First Minister says she doesn't have enough information uh, to come to that conclusion. Uh, but I do want to look at an area where we agree. Trans people uh, are not the problem here. But here's where we disagree. When a man rapes two women, we don't think that he should be considered a woman just because he says so. We should call out criminals like this who are abusing the system. They are not trans people. They are dangerous and violent men. Adam Graham, who wants to be known as Isla Bryson, raped two women. He is an abusive man seeking to exploit loopholes in the government's current policy. Nicola Sturgeon's answer to me was she wants to call a rapist a rapist. But can she just give me a clear answer to my question, not what she wants to answer, but what I want to ask her? Is this double rapist a woman? First Minister, 
Uh, what I think is relevant in this case is not whether the individual uh, is a man or, or claims to be a woman or is uh, trans. What is relevant is that the individual is a rapist. Uh, that is how the individual should be described, and it is that uh, that should be the main consideration in deciding how the individual is dealt with. Uh, that is why, of course, uh, the individual uh, is in uh, a male prison, not in uh, the female prison. Uh, so these uh, are the issues that matter. We are having a, a calm debate, and I think that is right for this sensitive issue. But I am feeling frustrated, as I was last week, that I have asked the First Minister repeatedly for an answer that she refuses to give. Under law, a rapist has to be a man. Her Justice Secretary thinks this rapist is a woman, and I just like, in my final opportunity to the First Minister, to get a clear answer. Is Adam Graham, this double rapist, a man or a woman? Now, let's remember, in court, this man lied. He was telling people he didn't rape two women. But under Nicola Sturgeon's policy, he's believed when he claims to be a woman. The First Minister has boxed herself into a corner. Under Scotland's Gender Recognition Reform Act, which is being challenged by the UK government, the process for people to change gender would be simplified, allowing people to self-identify in their new gender, removing the need for medical reports. By refusing to recognise the reality of the criminal's biological sex, as this would contradict a key tenant of the GRR Act, Nicola Sturgeon has undermined efforts to safeguard members of the marginalised trans community and hosed fuel on the flames of a heated and polarised debate over gender recognition reform, which has exploded to new levels of intensity. This has alarmed many in the public at large. There are valid concerns that the new law could be used by predatory men to access women-only places like toilets, changing rooms, prisons, simply by stating they are women. An amendment by my Scottish Conservatives colleague, Russell Finlay, to prevent convicted sex offenders from self-identifying at will was narrowly voted down by the presiding officer's casting vote. As a result, efforts to ensure women-only places are safe and that women's rights are protected, have been overshadowed. For First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, as a result of her response to the Isla Bryson uproar, her personal approval rating has moved into negative territory. The SNP's electoral popularity has also dropped, and bitterness across the SNP's rank is in plain sight, with senior members saying that MPs or MSPs who don't support the party's line on the GRR should be deselected at the next election. Clearly. The First Minister can ignore reality, but she cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring this reality. I've received a lot of support and also strong criticism over my position regarding the Gender Recognition Reform Bill. The whole debate has become so polarised. This was supposed to be about having a better process to safeguard trans people while also ensuring women's rights are protected. But from some quarters, ideology has taken over. We're seeing the word woman being replaced by phrases like people with a cervix on health information pamphlets so as not to offend apparently trans women who were born biologically male. This is unacceptable. It's communication gone mad, even insulting. I've also heard stories of 
intact trans women demanding a smear test and others refusing a prostate examination because they no longer live as men. We've seen SNP and Green MSP standing with radical trans activists, the latter holding placards calling for supporters of protected women's spaces to be decapitated. While I believe we should definitely support and protect people who believe their gender identity is different to their biological sex, in doing so, we cannot ignore reality. And I cannot abide by people who incite violence. But let me explain now why I voted for the Gender Recognition Reform Bill. Firstly, I would like to make clear that I voted for the bill throughout its Scottish parliamentary stages as I supported the principles of the bill and at the heart, the issue I believed and continue to believe that the bill was an opportunity to pass legislation that would make life a little easier for marginalised group of people within our communities. As a doctor, I have experience of dealing with members of the trans community, so I understood why the changes contained within this legislation meant so much to them. It is important to be aware that the Gender Recognition Certificate has existed for almost two decades, and people are living in Scotland with this certificate already. That is not to say that I did not have concerns regarding aspects of the bill, and I do believe that the Scottish Government should have done more as it moved through its parliamentary stages to address those concerns. At stage three, I voted to keep the age for obtaining a gender recognition certificate at 18, and also for a pause mechanism if the applicant had been accused of a sexual offence and was going through the court process. You can find my voting record on the Scottish Parliament website. As legislators, we cannot, though, pick and choose which parts of the legislation we support after the final stage three process. And in the end, we have to make a choice for or against. And I felt that on balance, as a matter of conscience, and despite some reservations, voting in favour of the legislation was the right thing to do to help this marginalised group within our society. The Scottish Conservatives allowed our MSPs a free vote on the issue, so I was not breaking the whip. My vote in favour of the bill was based on my belief at the time that the Scottish Government had proposed the legislation on a solid legal footing, which the Minister herself repeatedly affirmed during the debate. It now appears that there is some doubt about that, and the scope of the bill may impact on legislation which is reserved to the UK Parliament. This is an uncomfortable development, and certainly not something which I or many others would have wished for. I fear that it may now be up to the courts to determine whether the legislation has an adverse impact on UK-wide equality legislation, despite the warnings being given by a number of colleagues. I voted in good faith for a piece of legislation which I thought would make life better for the marginalised group, the trans people within our society. I also know that there are very strongly and passionately held views on both sides of this debate, I support women's rights and safety, but also sincerely believe that the outdated process followed by trans people needed to be reformed. This issue must not become a political football, and so should be resolved at the earliest possible opportunity, and I certainly will be working to achieve that. I believe that women's rights need to be strengthened. We need to be doing more to protect women they form, I think, the majority of people in this country, and they deserve their place.
Covering the communities of Bridgeton, Dalmarnock, Rutherglen, Clyde Gateway is a partnership of Glasgow City Council, South Lanarkshire Council and Scottish Enterprise with financial backing from the Scottish Government. I had the pleasure to speak to Ian Manson, Chief Executive of Clyde Gateway, on what makes Scotland's top regeneration priority tick. My first question is what is Clyde Gateway? Well, it's a pleasure. Clyde Gateway is an urban regeneration company that is transforming a large part of the east end of Glasgow and areas into South Lanarkshire. Um, we have been successful in working with the local community to bring new jobs to the area, to remediate contaminated land, to bring new homes of all sorts to the area, new parks and open spaces. Uh, we are 14 years into a 20-year plan and we hope to see it out and to, um, you know, to make a, a, a a transition that's lasting for this part of uh, Glasgow. And how so? How does it work? What what is it that Clyde Gateway do? So you get you get public money. What do you do with that public money? Yeah, there's there's a lot of catching up needed in, in areas like this where we have vacant land, perhaps industries that closed 40, 50 years ago. Uh, land is as as lain vacant. So there's a lot of investment needed just to get to the the starting blocks. Uh, housing developers, housing associations, even individuals will not consider investing in the area if it's not ready for investment. So we spend a lot of time and resource in assembling land so we've got sites that are ready to go, um, decontaminating, putting the infrastructure in either on site or, or off site, uh, checking whether there's actually demand to either live there or bring their businesses there, that takes a lot of time and effort as well. And, and then we um, help the, the delivery of that. Sometimes we have to build them ourselves and then we are able to either sell or uh, have people renting or leasing these buildings. But in most cases now, once the, once the area is brought up to a certain standard, uh, private sector will come in and, and spend its hard-earned money in the area and, and get a, a, good, a good investment and a good, a good return. Um, what we insist on is quality, um, jobs for local people and something that's, that's lasting and I think if you walk around the area you'll see that that's what we've been able to achieve so far. And just for, for everyone that, that's listening, where are we? What is Clyde Gateway? Whereabouts yes. is that situation? So if you're, if you're into sports, um, Celtic Park's at one end, Hamden Park's at the other, the old Shawfield Clyde Stadium's in, in the middle. It's basically uh, a slice of Glasgow going out from Glasgow Green uh, that was the place where the, the big heavy industries were, the, the steel works, the textile works, um, chemical works. Um, and South Lanarkshire's part of this because the Clyde is the boundary between the two councils. So we're basically operating along the Clyde, out of the city centre, out to the, the city boundaries. And these are the sites of the heavy industry that fueled the wealth of Glasgow. <clears throat> but unfortunately, when these industries left, um, not, you know, not sufficient attention was given to cleaning up the sites and supporting the people who were left to live beside <coughs> these derelict sites once the industry had, had gone. And of course that process is still underway. The, the Pladis factory, the McVitie's biscuit factory is just outside the area and we've lost that very recently. So the work goes on uh, to replace um, Victorian industries with, with modern new ones. And one of our uh, major inward investments at the moment is uh, a company called Top Golf who have brought 350 jobs in leisure industries into the heart of the area and we've worked very very hard as you might expect to get local people as many of these jobs as possible. So one of the phrases that you used that, that really struck me was you, you get sites shovel ready mm -hmm. so you, you 
get rid of that contamination if there is any, you get rid of any issues the land has, you get it to the point where you can start the process and, and then you either start that process mm. or sell that land yes. to, to the private companies who then take it on. But it's, you know, it, people will think, well, you know, you're using public money to benefit the, the private sector. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, so we, I mean, the dereliction that was here was, was here for decades before. So it was quite clear that uh, the way of working before, including some previous regeneration interventions, wasn't, wasn't doing the job. It wasn't bringing forward uh, land. It's, it's not just the private sector who want a clean um, site ready to go. It's housing associations. You know, they, they can't squander money by choosing between sites, choosing the site that's got the most difficulties that perhaps it's undermined by an old mine working or whatever. You know, they will choose the sites that are ready to go and the private sector does that as well. So we found that we have to invest the money in order to make it ready for the private sector and, and others to come. So it can be jobs from a public sector occupier who's decided to come to the area. We've brought, like we've got, we've brought Police Scotland here and we had 10 local people securing apprenticeships there. Or it can be the private sector if it's a pump manufacturer or uh, you know, a leisure industry. Um, you have to be very pragmatic and you have to work to get the industries in here who are expanding and who can offer jobs, good jobs to local people. We will not work with a company that's not paying good salaries and doesn't offer good prospects. We will only work with companies who are offering local people good, solid careers. So we have our standards. Uh, also, if the private sector comes in and makes, let's say, unreasonable profits from the deal that's been done, then we will have clauses to um, claw back these profits. Um, this is all about making a reasonable return on, on things and investing in an area that simply hadn't had the investment from public or private sector over the last 50 or 60 years. But also, when you have a private company that comes in, mm -hmm. you generate jobs, mm -hmm. you generate taxes, you generate uh, local stimulus to yes. the local economy, and you're contributing to the Glasgow economy, and that thus overall the Scottish economy. So even though you are getting it ready for private business, mm. you're, getting, you're getting a significant amount of money back, we are now seeing a profit as Scotland from this investment. You're seeing an outcome for Scotland, which is communities and places that were previously excluded from the economy now being part of the economy and hopefully contributing to that in a very positive way. We've had inward investment from abroad coming directly into the area, but the things that pleases us the most is where we've helped local people or local businesses. And a great example of that is Equi's ice cream coming in um, from Hamilton and modernising and upgrading to modern ice, you know, modern ice cream manufacturing in the heart of our area. When they looked to invest and expand, they looked around for modern facilities that would suit them. And they're in short supply in Scotland. So we've actually been able to help companies who'd never in a million years thought about coming here. But when they looked for the office or the factory that was meeting their requirements, they'd found that we'd been able to, we were ahead of them and we've been able to pro provide, provide that. So an ice cream manufacturer, a modern digital manu um, uh, marketing company just along the road from here as well. Same story. Uh, we didn't expect to come here, but we found what we wanted here. And they've come and they've brought economic activity and jobs to sites that in some cases have been vacant or derelict for you know, over 50 to 60 years. Yeah. So it's quite a remarkable 
thing that's happening. Well, you, you spoke about helping the local community just there. And you know, in our conversation earlier, we were talking about how Greater Glasgow Inclined Health Board has huge vacancies, yes. but weren't employing people in this area, despite yes. all the things that they were trying to do. Yes. But you uh, have gone in and have actually made a difference. How have you done that? What, what, what did you do? Yeah, we'll, we'll help build a bridge because in, in the normal day-to-day -day operations, it's, it's uh, you know, you stick an advert out and you see who, who comes and, uh, and applies. What we have is, is communities who have not been part of that before and maybe don't hear about the adverts, don't hear about the opportunity, or even worse, think it's, it's not for them. And what we do is we build a bridge between the job vacancies that are sitting there and the people here who could fill these jobs with the right support. And of course, it's not just about getting the job, it's about sustaining it and keeping it going and then getting promotion and, and being part of, of something successful like that. So yeah, we've done that. We've done it with the health board. We're very proud of the fact that now people working in, in the health service that wouldn't otherwise be. And we're doing it with uh, Social Security Scotland as well, who have been taking on jobs in Glasgow, and Public Health Scotland. So any public sector or private sector organisation that's looking to expand, we will partner them to make sure that people from uh, the Clyde Gateway community have a chance uh, to get these jobs and, and prosper. And we've done it in the, with private sector partners and with public sector partners. It's something that doesn't normally get done. It takes time, patience, and a little bit of flexible money to make it happen. And of course, trust as well. Um, people have often been through various uh, awful situations where jobs have been promised, training's been provided, and it's not happened for them. So we often have to build trust and say, look, this is a real possibility that this could be uh, transformational for you uh, and your family. And lots of we've got lots of, of heartwarming examples where that's actually happened. It's very challenging. It's not necessarily going to work in, in, in every occasion. And you can never offer a guarantee of, uh, of a job for life to anybody that's not there at the moment. But we can do our best to support people into what are great uh, careers. And that, that works. It works. People's lives have been transformed. That's amazing, you know, just changing people's lives and communities uh, and, and creating aspiration. Yeah, and I find, it, I find it's an obvious thing to do, uh, but it doesn't get done because it's not anybody's job to do it. And what we're lucky, we're blessed with the fact that it's our job. And if we waking up in the middle of the night sweating about it, it's because we're not making progress on it. And the accountability here is very, very strong because we know, and the community knows, that if it didn't support this, then it would, it would come to an end. Um, the community is judging us every day and so far that support has continued into you know, f over 14 years and we're very, very grateful for that. And even the other day we had a, an opening of an extension to our major park area which is Cunninga Loop and Rosie Robertson who's a, one of our community board members spoke very, very warmly about the trust that has built up between the community and Clyde Gateway over the years and uh, that's something pretty unique and we have to work to earn it every day by, by delivering for this community. That was Ian Manson, Chief Executive of Clyde Gateway. And that's all for this week's Gulhani on Politics. We'll be back in late February after the parliamentary recess for Series 4 of this podcast. For now, thank you for listening, and please remember to subscribe.